Hi, so welcome to another podcast from Suffolk Money, supported by Kingsfleet. Today, I have a real treat in store. Here we go. I have stepped inside a bookshop. Not just any bookshop. I'm in Dial Lane Bookshop in Ipswich. It's been here since just before COVID started. And, you know, I'm, as I said, I'm in heaven, just stretching through shelf upon shelf of books. Absolutely glorious. I could spend... Well, weeks here, absolutely weeks. The owner is Andrew Marsh. Uh, he's standing behind his counter with his orange hat on. Uh, hi to you. Hello, 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 Leslie. So come on, tell me about your bookshop because you you are living the dream, aren't you? I I think so. Yeah, this is this has been my dream for well since forever really. I really do feel like I'm living the dream. I go from my house in the morning, which is my happy place, and I come here, which is my happy place. It's my baby. I love I love it to bits. Yeah, I really do. So, so I, I know you, and we'll talk a little bit, but I know you spent many years working in security, you lived in London, here you are in Suffolk with a bookshop set. So how, why? Um, it's something I always said, I, one day I want to run my own bookshop. And about four years ago, I just decided I need to stop saying one day in the future because the future does run out. Um, and I just got up early one morning, I go out with my camera, I like walking, and it was about four o'clock in the morning taking pictures of the deserted streets. I walked down Dial Lane, saw the toilet sign in the window, thought, I'm going to do it. And, yeah, I came, viewed the premises, and as I left, I decided that, yep, yeah, this is the place for me. So three and a half years later, here we are. Was it a, a steep learning curve? Because I, I mean, you, you get a bookshop with no shelves and you need books, so, so just that whole journey must have been amazing. The three months from getting the keys to opening were challenging, um, but that's because I, I was prioritising the wrong things completely. I've got an office upstairs, which is the most pointless, ostentatious office ever for a bookseller. Um, I put carpet up there, I wallpapered it, I had a coffee machine, pot plants. I don't know who I thought was going to serve books while I was upstairs having all these imaginary meetings. <laughs> but that was the first thing I'd done. Then I put carpet in the kids' area. I then decided I need to get some shelves. Um, I'd already been ordering lots of books by that point, which was the fun part and still is the best part of what I do is ordering the books. But I needed some shelves. I didn't know where to start. I went over Stoke Bridge to see Danielle and Ian in the studio. I remember just saying to Danielle, do you know anyone that um, can make me some shelves? And no word of a lie, she literally just stepped aside and behind her sat on a chair was the man that I've come to affectionately call Tim Tim Wardrobe Tim. Um, Tim Germain, who is a local craftsman, his work is astonishing. We had a chat and, yeah, he's been into the shop 10, 12 times. He's made fixtures and fittings for my home, for the pop-up shops. Tim is astonishing. Once the shelves were in, it started to all fall into place then. It all started to fall into place. So, so to give me a quick guided tour, because, I mean, this is lovely. It stretches back and back, doesn't it? it? Does so you come in, you've got the counter and books, obviously, yes. but it goes, goes right through to the back. Yeah. I mean, at the front here, we've got... Um, these are what I call the, the art books at the front. We've got local interest books, books about books. If there's one thing I love, it's books. If there's one thing I love more than books, it's books about books. <laughs> so it's always very important to me to have a selection of those. Very popular with the customers, as is the local interest stuff. On here, I've just started doing a range so of magazines. The stand at the front, yeah. Yeah, the, the display stand at the front. Um, it used to house photography books. I then, a few months ago, decided I'm going to branch out into do some magazines. I don't get many of each title. I'm still working out what sells, what doesn't sell. But it's a good, it's a good extension to what I do in the shop. 
What's that one down there called toilet paper? Is that for when you're in the little room of the house? You, you can read it when you're in the smallest room, I suppose, but it's, it's basically an art magazine. It's oh, an okay. art magazine. There's one around the other side about sandwiches as well when it comes out monthly, and it's just called Sandwich, and it is all about sandwiches. Um, they're quite quirky. They're not the sort of magazine you would find in every newsagent. They're a little bit different. Some of them are a little bit risque, but I like to give people something that they can't just go around the corner and get in Waterstones or another bookshop. So I like to do things... Like to do things a little bit differently, really. So, if you want something a bit different, come and browse. You'll get all the books as well, but you get get some of the the more unusual things. Uh, I see what, as a local book there, Sheet One Three Seven Lastoft. Yeah, absolutely. Again, the local authors is something I've been always very keen to very keen to support. I think at the last count between fiction, non-fiction, and children's books, I've got about one hundred twenty local author titles in the shop. It's something that is growing all the time. And I've often joked that you're not allowed to live in Ipswich or even pass through Ipswich unless you've written a book. And then you'll come into my shop, you'll talk to me, and I'll end up putting a few copies on the shelves. Do you write yourself? I dabble with writing. I'm not a writer. I've always enjoyed putting pen to paper, um, writing poems, writing short stories. I have written a a children's book um, recently. Um, I just wrote it in one day. It's 32 pages. It's a very, very small book. So, you know, saying that I've written a book in a day, I'm not bragging. Um, but it's just sitting in the drawer at the moment. I do aim to revisit it, look at getting someone in to do some illustrations and who knows, who knows, so yeah. You're in the right place to sell your absolutely, book anyway. Absolutely, So we've come through to the second area. Uh, it's lovely and light. On the ceiling, I just looked up and you've got bookmarks. Yeah. I like that is what they are, isn't that, it? It is definitely, it's, they're bookmarks, yeah. I'm obsessed with bookmarks. I've got um, loads of them stuck on the front, all in the front area as well. Um, the bookmarks just started. I get given loads of them by, by publishers. They come with all the orders, with all the books. Um, and I just decided, I, was, I think I was bored one day, and I like decorating the shop. I like putting things on the wall, things on the ceiling. And the ceiling just looked a bit, a little bit dull and a little bit white, so I just decided to start sticking bookmarks up there. And again, it's something that folks talk about when they come in the shop. It's noticeable. It makes it stand out. It's not... It's definitely not your average bookshop here, shall we say. It's, be- it's absolutely lovely. No chairs for us to sit down and no, browse, I notice. Not. Is that on purpose? It is on purpose. Um, whilst I've got no issue with folks coming in, sitting down for five minutes while they're browsing books, I'm a bookshop and not a, not a library or not somewhere where you can just go and chill out for an hour and you know, not even look at books. I did have a sofa upstairs, which I put in the office because it, became, it very quickly became a love seat. I had a courting couple coming in every every lunchtime once a week for about three weeks, um, and I don't want to know what they were doing upstairs. So, yeah. <laughs> and then you step through, watch your step, it says, and this is the children's area. I, as you say, cartoons on the wall. It's just got such a lovely feeling about it, the whole shop. But this is, I mean, I think books are so important. Was this where you started? Do you remember books as a child? I do remember books as a child. I was lucky and fortunate. I grew up with books, you know, from a very, very young age. Um, and the story goes, I was a bit of a geek at school, but I couldn't understand why I was being sent to school to learn, but I had to go out and do playtime. I hated playtime, so I used to take myself off from the junior school and sit in the infant school cross-legged during break time reading kids to younger, reading stories to younger kids. So my love of books was already, already well-founded then, and I just loved reading stories to youngsters, reading stories to other kids. So the love of books was there from a very, very very early age and when I took the shop on I think the first time I stepped down that step and come into this area there was changing rooms here and all sorts and when I got all the fixtures and fittings out I looked round and I thought right well this is going to be where the kids area is 
And this on the wall was the first thing that was done in the shop. Um, Benny Brown is a local local artist, a good friend of mine. I got him in, just said to him, look, you can have as much or as little as the wall as you like, but I'd like something to do with books, to do with the bookshop. You can do what you like. Um, and I remember he said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take all the wall then, if that's OK. And then he messaged me one day and said, mate, do you mind if I even used a bit under the stairs? And I said, Benny, you do what you like, mate. So uh, I love it. Again, it, it, pe- people come in, they stand in front of it, they have their photograph taken in front of it. It makes it light, fun. Again, it's just something a little bit different. Is it, you know, done an interpretation of me up there. There's Jonesy, the woman who helps me out, and Foxy's my other half, so he's done a bit of that. <laughs> so, again, it's just, it's just very personal. It's Benny Brown all over, and, um, yeah, I love it to bits. Absolutely love I'll, it. I shall take a photo of you in front of it. In, OK, uh, I'm just, fine with that. Just a minute to do. What were, the books, what were your favourite books as a youngster? I, I loved Roald Dahl. Um, I did also love Enid Blyton. I never liked... So did I, and you, I don't care what no, people say. No, I, I, I don't care what people say either. Um, I liked the famous five. Um, I hated the Secret Seven. I'm afraid I was Secret Seven. Oh, Sorry. Right. Okay. No, I, I like the idea of the shed with the with the SS on it and the and the password to get in. But again, when I took on the shop, when I started doing this, I decided if I'm going to sell kids' books and in particular kids' fiction, I'm going to read a lot of it, which I continue to do now. But about two years ago, I picked up a Famous Five and a Secret Seven. I took them home and I read them. And I'm glad to say the famous five, yes, I'm no longer the target audience, but when you grow up with a series and you revisit them, yeah, I still got a little bit of enjoyment from the famous five. The secret seven, I just, yeah, I just thought it was so wishy-washy and pointless, if I'm being honest. I just love to sorry, go back. No, sorry. no, no, it's fine. You just have to go back and read it. Youngsters are so well served, though, these days by books, aren't they? They, they really, really are. The, the, range of book, the range of books now... Um, for for youngsters and for kids is absolutely astonishing. I mean, they are they are works of art in their own right. There is so much choice for them. Um, there's still a lot of snobbery surrounding kids' books and kids' authors. Unfortunately, oh, anyone can write a kids' book. Um, I think it should be the, the complete opposite. You know, kids' books are probably the hardest thing to write because to capture a child's imagination, when children's imagination changes from day to day, what they liked yesterday, they're not going to like today. Um, to keep kids' books fresh and up-to-date and exciting is, is a wonderful thing. And it's something, out of all the books I order in the shop, which I order a lot of books, I really, really do, I have a major ordering problem. Every box I open, I genuinely do squeal with delight at what I've ordered, but nothing makes me happier than when there's kids' books in the box because they are, they're astonishing. You know, what's inside them, the messages they get across, the fiction books are wonderful, the non-fiction books... Are, are incredible. There's so many diverse subjects and so many diverse areas that kids can go down now. And I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing, absolutely. I was very jealous as I came in. You were unloading boxes of books, yes. lovely books. Yes. And I, just the touch of a book yeah, is, absolutely. is absolutely brilliant. How do you... I can't keep up with fiction. I, I say I love reading. I always have. I would love to be a librarian. But I, my knowledge is really limited. How do you keep up with it all? I think when I, when I first opened the shop, what I'd done was I just made a list of all the authors that I like, that I read now, um, and all the, with the kids' books, all the authors that I read as a child. I still do have Enid Blyton in the shop, Roald Dahl in the shop. A lot of what comes into the shop, though, a lot of it ends up as, you know, just stuff that's recommended to me. A customer will come in, order a couple of books. There's a lot of books out there, a lot of authors, 90% of them I don't know. Um, when the books that they've ordered come in, I'll look at them, take them out of the box... And I'll have a quick flick through. 
And yeah, that's one that then I'm aware of. I'll have a, I might read it. I've read some amazing author books, amazing books from the shop by authors that until I had the shop I'd never heard of, that are now authors that I I champion so much. Um, I'll go out my way to champion, for example, Sophie Green's trilogy, absolutely astonishing trilogy. Um, it's a series that because I've read and loved and enjoyed, when I'm trying to sell them to the child and parent, I'm not just doing so for money in the till. I'm doing it because I believe in these books and I think that that child needs to leave with those books. And the same with another author, Thomas Taylor, his Malamanda series is absolutely incredible and phenomenal. And what I've noticed with the Thomas Taylor books, there's five in the series, the last one has just come out. 99% of kids that I'm talking to about these books, I know for a fact my eyes are lighting up as I'm talking because the passion is there. Very rarely the kid, you know, I've lost their attention, they're not interested and I hate that. Um, but by that point, the parents are standing there going, hmm, do you know what? I think I'll give that a go. Yeah. So there are so many more adults reading kids' fiction now, yeah. which, I think is, which I think is wonderful because fiction, all books are wonderful. Adult fiction is great. But in the main, it's death, depression, disease, affairs, horrible things happening. Kids' fiction, you open the book and you do immerse yourself and lose yourself in an adventure and you smile as you're reading it and... Kids' fiction now is so intelligent and there's in-jokes in there and there's things that you wouldn't think that, that would be in a children's book, but it just shows how hard authors are working now to make their books stand out, to capture a market that is very, very difficult to capture, really. So for, for me, as a grown-up, you mm. also do your, the statutory book club, don't yes, you, as well? Yeah. So, so what's the book you're reading at the moment? The book we're reading at the moment is by a Finnish author called Auntie I'm not even going to pronounce his surname. Um, <laughs> Anti, the book is called The Rabbit Factor. Um, book group is on Saturday in the shop, um, but I've got a home book group. Sometimes I'll get the author in the shop for the book group and then that's at five o'clock on a Saturday. And if the author's here, then I'll also get my friends at my home book group and we'll get the author to come back to the house and do the same one there. Um, I'm 35 pages from the end. Um, I absolutely... Love it. Without, without any spoilers, what's it about? It's about a mathematician who inherits a adventure park um, from his brother who, who died. He's been given his adventure park. He's got no idea how to run an adventure park. It's very witty. It's very quirky. He's very matter-of-factly in the way he talks. He's a mathematician. Everything is about calculating and risks and evaluation. It's probably the oddest book that we've chosen, that I've chosen for the book group. 90% of people that have read it or are currently reading it love it. I only know of one person that is really, really struggling with the book. Um, but that's the beauty of book groups. You know, we all, we all pick things, we all read this, we all tend to stick to a genre that we know and that we're familiar with. Um, and with book group, a lot of people do comment that it, they love the book or sometimes they don't like the book, but it's, ultimately it's not something they would have ever picked up mainly because of the cover sometimes. It just wouldn't have been their cup of tea by reading the back. But they always come to book group. They always want to give it a go. Some you win, some you lose. In the main, the book groups I've had here have been very well received. But what I like to do is slightly different. Uh, I mean, bearing in mind, it took me two years from opening to actually get this off the ground. Everyone was saying to me, when are you going to do a book group? And I just didn't want it to be one of those things that I open on a Monday, book group starts on a Tuesday because that's you follow the how to run a bookshop guide, you know, guidebook. It was always the plan to do one, but, you know, COVID and whatnot, and then I blinked, and before you know it, two years had gone by. But we've had about 13, 14 book groups now, once a month in the shop, always on a Saturday. And our 
10 of them, I think. I've had the authors come down as well. Wow. So I invite the authors down. It makes it more fun. Some of the authors have got two books out. Three of the authors have got two books out now, and we've had them in for each of their books. Um, so they're, they're like family. They're, they're like family. My customers are like family. Sitting there, I'll sit there with the author chatting to them about the book. I usually gush. I can't say enough nice things if the book is nice and the author's there. And it's nice for the people here to be able to ask questions directly to the author instead of just everyone going around in a circle saying what we feel and what we think about the book. Um, some people don't say a word. They just like to sit in a corner quietly and listen. Others, well, others like me, you can't shut up, really. So, uh, yeah. But the, author, the authors love it as well. Um, there's a lot of support for the book group, a lot of support for the shop from not only customers but from the authors. That It wasn't a conscious thing, but you start to champion certain authors. Matson Taylor, for one, he's got two books out. He is now what I refer to as Dial Lane Books Royalty. Um, he, is, he is astonishing. He's been in the shop about ten times. Any excuse to get Matson down, I will do that. About a year ago, I thought, we've not had Matson in for a few weeks, what can we do? And I've just come up with an idea, and he went along with it. Um, he stayed at the house the night before, and on Saturday morning, he came down. I threw him his uniform, which was an orange beanie, and I got him to work behind the till. So he was opening boxes, serving customers, um, which was wonderful. He really enjoyed it. It was very noticeable, and he actually commented that the one thing he struggled with was talking up and selling his own book. But he didn't need to because me and Jonesy were here and if there's one book that we can sell, it's Matson's book. So I'm going um, to have to have a look. And yeah. then that's what you say about book clubs. Yeah. It's so easy to get stuck, isn't it? There are so many books. That how, how do you pick one book out of everywhere? And so to come and, and read a book that you may not have thought of picking up and then yeah. you might find a new author. You mentioned your beanie hats. They've got lots of little mini ones hanging yes, from the ceiling yeah. as well. I, I think the... See, the beanie hat, I, I was setting up, I got the keys to the shop in December and it was cold and I was wearing a range of whatever baseball caps and hats I had at home. Then I just found an orange one, I bought an orange one and it wasn't a conscious thing, but the more I wore it, the more people just used to spot the orange beanie. In the early days, I used to walk down the road from my home with my festival trolley, pulling pot plants or ornaments for the shop up and down the road. There's, there's festival trolley boy with his orange beanie and it just became just became a bit of a symbol. I mean, orange is my favourite colour. Um, it's on my logo. It's a big colour in the shop as well. And I think a friend of mine, Hannah, gave me a couple of the orange beanies for the Christmas tree a couple of years ago. Um, and then I got in touch. I think I couldn't remember who gave them to me, so I took a picture of one and put it on Instagram. I said, whoever done these, can I have some more, please? And it, Hannah put her hand up and said, it was me. So I said, can I have some more? And, yeah, they're, they're up on the ceiling now. If a child comes in and the child looks lovingly, I put one. And they say, can I have one? I'm like, well, no, they're mine. But then I walk down and I'll get, yes, go on then, of course you can, of course you can. <laughs> so the amount of them is diminishing rapidly. But, you know, I'll do, any, I'll do anything for my customers. I'll go to the nth degree to them. I'll often take down decorations. The amount of these Halloween spiders that have gone, because kids <laughs> love them. And I'm like, oh, you're just destroying the shop. Yeah, go on and have one, yeah. <laughs> They'll remember it, though, won't yeah, they, Absolutely, well. absolutely. You're listening to the Suffolk Money podcast with me, Leslie Dolphin, supported, of course, by Kingsfleet. And as I said right at the start, I'm in seventh heaven because I am in a bookshop. I'm in Dar Lane Bookshop in Ipswich. Uh, it's run by Andrew Marsh. So, uh, Andrew, things are tough at the moment, aren't they? Just just tell me a little bit about how how it's it's can be a bit soul-destroying for you. Things are things are very tough at the moment, I can't lie. Um, but from my point of view, I have I had good days, I have wonderful days, but things have pretty much been tough from the beginning for me because I had that 21 days open and then straight into straight into lockdown. 
um, then opening, closing, opening, closing. My business model and my business plan changed so much that nothing I do in the shop or the way I do it was as I planned, as I saw myself doing it. I'll do things that I never imagined myself doing, all to keep the name of the shop out there. Um, because I need, I need what we all need is customers. And getting people into the shop is, is challenging. It really, really is challenging. Um, off, over three and a half years since I've been doing this, I have come to the conclusion that I'm bloody good at what I do and I'm a, I'm a good salesman. But that's once people are in the shop. Getting folk into the shop is only half the battle now. The bigger challenge is getting folk into Ipswich, which unfortunately does, and I don't know if it's ever going to change, it does have that reputation as not a place that people want to go shopping. I'm very aware that the amount of shops that we've lost recently, like every town and city, is, you know, it's not, it's not only an Ipswich thing, but, yeah, it's a lot easier for people to just bypass Ipswich and go anywhere else but Ipswich, and none more so than the people that live in Ipswich. So I, 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 I'm a, yeah, my own worst enemy. I do read a lot of the comments on Facebook, um, you know, the Ipswich Star and the papers and all the, all the negative comments. And the, one, the ones that stand out the most are nothing worth coming into town for, nothing worth coming into town for. I've been told that by customers in the shop, over, you know, when they've bought a book, they're talking to me over my counter in my shop, nothing worth coming into town for. And you read that online... And when you, when you read it and when you're told it directly to your face, you're thinking, well, actually, you know, this is a lovely shop. I know I've got a wonderful shop. My products are wonderful. I try and do things differently. So there's not nothing worth coming into town. There's less choice and there's less options. There's less shops. There's less retail. But I just wish more people would, for a change, focus on what we do have in the town, which are some amazing businesses, and not just the indies, but the chain stores that we've got left, the, the hospitality industry, the hospitality sector, we're all still here and we all still need the same thing, which is which is custom. I mean, we need people to support the town. But people not coming into town because there's nothing worth coming into town for are the same people that moan because another shop has gone. But they can't be surprised another shop has gone because you're not coming into town to support us. It's very, very... It's very difficult. I mean, from my point of view, as a... As a consumer, I live five minutes away. Maybe that's different, but I can get here on foot in five minutes. If I'm not in the shop, if someone else is looking after the shop for a day or two and I'm not away, I'm just at home, I'll find myself coming into town just because town is there. Um, and you don't, I don't always come in to buy, but I walk round and I see, I go into the shops that I know, I see the people behind the counters, the friends that I know. I'm aware of what town, what is happening in town, you know, how it's going down and what shops are closing. But I'm always there. I'm always coming into town. I do support a lot of the independent businesses. Um, I've got a, a drawer at home, which is called the Christmas card drawer, where we just buy cards all throughout the year, Christmas and birthday cards, because we don't need it at that precise moment. But people are always going to have birthdays. And if we see a nice card, for example, um, in Shop Love, Shop Love One, for example, we're going to buy it there and then because we know we've got nice cards. And I think that, yes, everyone's got less money now. I'm very aware of that. I've got less money now. But... We need to do. We need to support the shops we've got left. Um, we really, really do because they will go, and it will be very, very sad. I, I'm old school. I'm old fashioned. I can't imagine a town or a world without without shops. People are saying, you know, high streets are dying. High streets are changing. Internet shopping is killing off the high street. We're all guilty to some extent of internet shopping, but I'm as I said, I'm old fashioned. Shops. You need to go into town. You need to look at the shops. 
um, get in, get into the shops, touch the product, look at the product, speak to the shopkeepers. You can't get that on, on, on the internet, on online shopping. Yes, you might be able to get stuff delivered the next day, but nine times out of ten, all that means is you go on the internet, order five hundred pound worth of clothes, try everything on, don't like ninety percent of it, then you'll take that back to a an actual shop, um, and all them all them returns are then deducted from that actual shop's takings for the day. So that actually shop, that actual shop, for example, might have had a good day, then their last customer might have returned five hundred pound worth of clothing, and that then comes out of their day's taking. So it all has a it all has a knock on effect really. Um, people are struggling. Ipswich is it's a very challenging place to run a business if i'm honest yeah you, you said to me when we came in you you suddenly realized one day you're a retailer yeah. and I, you've obviously learned a yeah. huge amount yeah. uh, take me back to, to when you opened because it's, as you say you opened and then a few days later covid we all had to shut yeah um yeah that was a very very interesting i mean i opened 28th of february um the mayor slipped the ribbon on the front of the shop i had a string quartet playing down the back wonderful wonderful launch um, three days later, I opened, and the first two weeks were were astonishing. And it's funny the longer I the longer I've been doing this, and the more interviews and talking to people I do, you start to there's a script that I start to build up. You know, I don't write things down. I must mention that, but there's certain things that I always say. Um, but in them early two weeks, I generally feel that I was taking money that no independent bookshop should be taken because it was obscene. It was apps. I was very grateful for it, but it was just this. This is not right. I must have put the numbers in wrong. It was astonishing, but that was because there hadn't been an independent bookshop here for so long. The support was there before I even opened the doors. It was there the day I moved in. People knocking on the door when they found out I was going to be a bookshop. They're expecting this. I need to give them a proper bookshop now. Um, so the first two weeks were, were were phenomenal. Talk of COVID was obviously in the air from the previous year, the back end of the previous year. Um, and yeah, it had started, it had got to that point. People were, there was this buzzword that was going around lockdown. I don't know if it was denial or naivety or just, you know, I, no, 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 I've just opened my business, we're not closing. We were all like that yeah. in the BBC. I was watching the stories and hearing about other countries closing down. But when it came to us, yeah. somehow it was a sudden shock. It, it was a massive, massive, <laughs> massive shock. Um, yeah, I remember the day well, the 23rd, the 23rd of March, we closed down, 21 whole days after, after I opened. Um, and I, I, there was a bit of me that stupidly took it personally because, again, the 35-year dream, 35 years to realise this dream, 21 days open, and Boris is telling me I've got to close. So I, I didn't know what to do. My partner came down in his car four times. We unloaded 90% of the shop. I had a lot less stock here then. I took lo most of the stock home. I took the computer, the till home. Um, I just decided, well, I'm just going to sell books up and down my street from the kitchen table. Um, that then blew, blossomed into I was going between IP1 and IP4 postcodes. And being a Londoner, not very familiar with the geography of Ipswich, I just said, look, if your postcode begins with an I and a P, I'll deliver. Well, that was, <laughs> that was very... That was the... Yeah, it's it was a broad area. Yeah, so I was going to say it was the most stupid thing ever, but it wasn't because so many... You got many, to know Suffolk. I got to know Suffolk. The people got to know me, and it was it was a service I was providing. Um, having that little door, you know, end of the gate chat with people, you'd knock on the door, leave the book, and then run. Hi, I'm not coming anywhere near you. Um, it endeared the shop to the public. I think it, it got me a lot of extra customers. Um, it became a weekly thing for a lot of people. But yeah, it was it was tough. I done that pretty much to keep me sane. Um, 
I was I was very lucky in the beginning. I with all the loans that were being given out, I'd waited so long to do this. You know, I had a bit of money in the bank. Um, I had an investor who gave who donate invested some money before I opened, and I'd only had twenty one days, and I had loads of money that I'd taken. I wasn't at the bottom. You know, I I wasn't scratching for money. I wasn't in the position that a lot of people were in, which was horrific. Um, so yeah, it was. I was very fortunate in that respect. So. I done the door to door selling to keep me sane more so more to more than to you know get some money in, but it just took off. It become this thing. It, my partner was doing a lot of the driving. It was trying to keep track of the orders um, when the uh, the wholesalers had had closed because it, you know they weren't allowed to open either. So I was trying to find other ways of getting these books. It was a very 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 tough time. But what was a lot tougher for me was the periods in between all of that open, close. You can open on the Tuesday if you've got six people in. You can open on Thursday between one and two if you do, you know, adhere to the rule of six, two metres apart. It was, I think in the first six months, I'd opened five times. I didn't know where I was, to be honest. Mm. But when we was finally allowed to open, that opening, we've, you know, we've not gone back and had another closing. So that last time we opened, it took a long time for people to come back into Ipswich. It really, really did. I'm not saying that it wasn't the same everywhere else, but I only know what it was like here. And it took a long, long time for people to come back into town to get over the anxiety and to get over the worry and the stress. And I totally get that. I totally get that. But from my point of view, we was allowed to open. I was down here, you know, the day he announced opening again. I was ready to open the door. I just thought, expected, hoped and wanted the crowds to flock back in and... That never happened, and that still hasn't happened. Um, and we're, yeah, in February, it'll be four years since I opened, and it's, it's getting tougher. It's getting tougher. I'm going to cross all my fingers and toes because Christmas should be, as we come towards Christmas, it really should be a good time for you, shouldn't it? Because if people come in here, they can find a present for pretty much everybody in their family, whether it's grandchildren's, whether it's husbands, whether it's for yourself and so on. So, so this is the time to make sure that people use you, isn't it? It is, yeah, and I really, really hope they do. Um, yeah, I mean, book, books are the best gift that you can buy for someone. They're the best gift to receive. Um, they're the easiest gift to wrap up as well. I mean, they're square, they're rectangle, they're, they're no weird shapes to wrap up. The first Christmas I was here was phenomenal, absolutely incredible. But the two since, yep, each one, the mad build-up to it has started a lot later. So you'd think, okay, so then the three and a half silly weeks of silly season is going to be even bigger and better. Not really. It started later. It's been busier than the previous 11 months, but not a patch on what it was that first year. So even Christmas, there are days when, yeah, you think, are we in December even? Is it? Have I opened the door? Have I still got the clothes sign on? Um, it is still very, very challenging. I love Christmas. A lot of customers come in with lists. Me and Jonesy love a list. Just give us a list where something we can work from. We'll go around, pick your books up. Um, customers come in. They've got the same bit of paper that they had four years ago. It's folded so many times that they need to be delicate and wear gloves to open it, otherwise it will fall apart. They've got all the names of the kids they're buying for and they'll cross out the age and put the next age on it. And Barnaby's now nine and Barnaby's into this. And I'm like, right, I know, just the book. Um, running around and doing, doing stuff like that. Of course, it's great, you know, because you end up with the transaction amount is, is huge for some of them sales. Um, but ultimately, what I want, what I've always wanted, of course, I want money in the till. I'm not silly. 
but I want people in the shop more than profit is 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 in, in, well money is wonderful we need money and I want money but my, my my biggest thing is not about profit it's about customers in the shop having that shop full of customers with the buzz and the banter you know you talk to someone over the till somebody else will hear someone you don't know and they'll just sit right the head around the corner and butt into the conversation and someone upstairs is recommending a book to someone else and that's what I love and that's that's what I miss and that's what I'm hoping will come back um, even if it is only for the Christmas period really. I do feel that you're fairly depressed about this. Do you think in a year's time you'll still be here? I, I, I honestly, I honestly don't know. Um, I've got I've got another three and a half years left on left on my lease here. Um, when I took the lease on, he off I got offered two or three months um, free rent. I didn't have a clue about free rent, but I thought, well, if they're offering me that, I'm going to try and get more. So I got a hell of a lot more months of free rent and some months of half rent, but I had to increase the lease from three and a half years to seven. When I moved in, seven was going to be, I'm going to be renewing at the end of seven. I'm not moving into any shop to move out. Um, I do regret that now. Um, the get-out clause was in December last year. Nobody's going to take a get-out clause in December. So I'm I'm here for another three years unless I can buy my way out of the lease. I don't like the idea of not being here at all anymore. I really, really don't. I joke about it, about what the hell would I do, you know. It's true what, 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 what they say when you run your own business. I think only two or three days after opening, I'd become that person. I was already saying, oh, I can't go back to working for someone else now, and I'd only been open two days. But as it's now three and a half years, I need to do my own thing. I need to be in my own shop, making my own decisions, not answering to anyone, doing it in my own very weird, very quirky um, way, very very different and fun, hopefully, way. But that's what I need. But ultimately, I don't know. It's I do a lot of work with schools. I do a lot of school orders, which are big, which are wonderful. But it's just tap, tap, tap on the computer, a massive order. They collect it, done. Money's going in the till. Doesn't bring people into the shop, though. That's what I need. So I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to think that things are going to change, but I need to now start being very realistic and looking at the potential that they, they possibly won't. So Use it or lose it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I had a couple of friends who owned a shop um, in Ipswich about four years ago, and that was the first time I'd heard that quote. They used to say it all the time, use us or lose us. Um, and, yeah, it is, it is very, very true. One-minute shops that you know, that you may go into them, maybe you're, they're just familiar on your route, you always see them, they're there, and the next, they're gone. And it, it, it is that quickly that it happens. Um, and it is really, really upsetting even thinking about not being here and having to... I mean, I don't know how I'd even get all these books out of the shop. I'm sure it's not possible, but I do need to start thinking um, that maybe this isn't it anymore. So, yeah. That must be so sad after all the years of wanting to do it. It is, yeah. It is very, very sad. I mean, I don't know what, what else I could what else I could do. Um, I, I did start making a couple of random inquiries just questions really during the week um i've started doing a lot of fundraising for st elizabeth's hospice and i i love that i love the hospice i love the team and again it's something that i'm good at when it comes to charity and fundraising i'm not backwards in coming forwards about asking for money i don't care you know they need it you don't give me your money and i just sent a couple of messages this earlier this week saying how easy would it be to join your fundraising team um 
yeah, obviously it's not as easy <laughs> as, it, as it is in my mind. Um, positions don't come up that, that quickly, but it's something I do need to start thinking about because this will end, I think. I think it's fair to say this will end. I can't, I can't honestly see Ipswich changing in any way that's going to bring more people into town. The negative outlook people have on the town, the way, the way, the way people talk about the town, I can't see anything changing that's going to be positive and bring more people in, which will then enable me and other businesses to stay afloat, really. So, yeah, it is something I need to think about, unfortunately. My thanks to Andrew for taking time out to talk about his passion for books and the challenges of retail in Ipswich and his fears for the future. I don't know how many times we've heard that phrase, use it or lose it, but it is so true. And let's be honest, the independent traders really do deserve our backing. There's more information at darlanebooks.co.uk. Now, please do remember to subscribe to our podcasts because they feature many other fascinating people just like Andrew. And if you want to know more, just visit suffolkmoney.co.uk. You can also find us on Facebook and elsewhere on social media. Huge thanks, as always, to the team behind the scenes. That's Sally, Kevin and Joy. And thank you, of course, to you for listening. Until the next time, bye. Bye.